What's really exciting about this taco ride, it's our fourth annual. It's gotten national recognition twice. It's only a 20-mile ride, but the ride lasts about six or seven hours. Everybody in the group has at least one taco. A couple of hundred people show up to these rides. There's this idea that riding a bicycle is dangerous. It's not true. Using the roads are dangerous. I wanted to make the streets safer in Latuna. And so I just started asking other people who were doing that in other parts of the council district. I was like, so what are you doing to try and make streets safer? Anybody has the ability to become involved and to make these changes and to have their voice heard. Anyone who cares and feels passionately about any civic issue can get involved and have a voice and get things done. What kind of city do you want? Do you want people to only drive? That's not what you want. Let's make it safe for bike riders, too. Carlos Morales at the Eastside Bike Club. We're celebrating our 10-year anniversary here in 2008. There was a movie just released about cycling. It was called Mammal, uh, and it's the acronym for Middle-Aged Men in Lycra. And actually, they just released the DVD. Uh, previously, it was shown in 300 theaters across the country in February, and they just released the DVD like a couple of days ago. I haven't got a copy of it yet. And um, also they petitioned Netflix for it to be on Netflix. So pretty exciting stuff on, on that end. Also part of our uh, celebration for the year, it's our fourth annual Tour de Taco. And you guys hear of the Tour de mm-hmm. France. I know you were talking to, to uh, Don Ward earlier regarding his races. Well, we do. A, it's called the Tour de Taco. And it's this year it's a 20-mile ride to uh, four different taco restaurants. Uh, we're expecting a couple of hundred people to show up. Many of us who do rides, we know how uh, sometimes difficult it is to control the, the crowd. Or if we're half a mile up, we don't know what's happening a quarter mile back or at the very end of the ride. We partnered up with this company called Bonks, B-O-N-X. And actually, um, I'm really excited because we're the first bike shop to actually offer this communications device. And we're the first bike club in the United States to actually take it out on a bike ride. And the bike ride happens tomorrow night on a Saturday night at 6 o'clock. So you haven't Um, used it yet? Never used it. I received it yesterday. I connected mines and out of the package without really looking at everything, I was up and running with it basically 10 minutes probably and basically what it is if you could imagine a uh, a, a bluetooth for your ear what's really neat about it besides the basic bluetooth features that you have in your ear you could actually create a group of up to 10 people in your team so you could use it for lots of different things we're using it for this cycling ride we have four units on this trip. We'll have uh, two units in the front, one in the middle, and one behind. And what's really unique about this is it runs Bluetooth with your phone. If you don't have the phone, you could use a, a Wi-Fi hotspot. But what's really unique about it, you get up to 10 people in your group. There is no boundaries when it comes to distance. So literally, I could have somebody in London, Australia, Mexico City, Puerto Rico, Canada, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and we could talk in real time 
Cool. Having a group conversation. It's a global communication system, which is really, really neat. You, the only what thing, about Northridge? Can we have Northridge? Oh, Don Stillman. <laughs> Absolutely, you can have Northridge. <laughs> that, that, I'm always that, coming by <laughs> talk. I'm sorry. Well, Damien might as well be on, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Damien. I love it. Of course, Northridge. You know, I actually had a house over there during the Northridge earthquake. So oh I, I'm, I'm very familiar with Northridge. Absolutely. Your only purpose, though, is to talk to people in the taco ride, right? Very local. And people in Northridge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's really exciting about this taco, right? It's our fourth annual. It's gotten uh, national recognition twice for being a, a very early ride, meaning uh, not very many years in existence. In 2016, so two years ago, we made it on the a list on Bicycle Magazine as one of the best taco rides in the country. And Whoa. then MP- yes. NPR, National Public Radio, did an interview, and they had a, a, a reporter went out on the ride. And it was pretty amazing. Back-to-back have national uh, attention regarding this ride. We've had people call us from every state pretty much over the last two years of when this ride, how much does it cost, they want to book a hotel and stuff. It's, it's, it's exciting. Um, most of the people that right. come to the ride, of course, are from Southern California. We have people coming in from Riverside, Corona, Fontana, uh, Watts, uh, Pacific Palisades, Northridge, um, out, in the, out in the valley. Uh, we got uh, people North. from Santa Monica and downtown L.A. Uh, it's a really, really, really fun summer night social ride. When is it again? Saturday 14th. For us, uh, it'll be uh, tomorrow evening. Right. And it's only a 20-mile ride, but the ride lasts about six or seven hours. And and the way it works is we'll go right out to the restaurant. Everybody in the group has a, a taco, at least one taco. And... Um, because there's so many people, a couple of hundred people show up to these rides. We do raffles in between. So we do a raffle at the beginning at my bike shop. And then at every stop, we do raffles. And uh, at this particular ride, we raffle off a little over 100 items, which uh, some of them are gift certificates to the restaurants that we're going to, uh, locks, lights, uh, cycling caps, jerseys, socks, uh, just a bunch of cycling stuff. So people stick around for the good times, the food, the ambiance, and the raffles. That sounds like an awesome event. I'm definitely planning on coming out there. This is Damien, by the way. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. Awesome. <laughs> so the question is, can you bring saddlebags to have extra tacos? You, you've got a party <laughs> over there, Carlos. You've got like a whole, the, the taco ride is yeah, starting tonight. On? It sounds like a whole party going on. <laughs> what about like a taco eating contest? You know what? Uh, we did that the first two years. We had a taco, and it wasn't like part of us as organizing it. But some of the some of the people from the Eastside Bike Club says, "Why don't we have a taco eating contest?" And they says, "Yeah, well, sure." So I think the first year somebody had that like twenty two tacos that in that ride. That was Whoa. the first ride. It was a thirty five mile ride and nine taco stops. Wow. Um, we met up at 5, left at 3 in the morning. It, it was crazy. I learned a lot from that ride. The crowd was bigger than what I expected. The length of the ride was longer and the amount of taco stands. So because of the amount of people, we spent like 
maybe 45 minutes to an hour at every stop. And we've talked to the restaurants, you know, up ahead, actually, they need extra help, extra servers, the cooks, and everything goes as smoothly as possible. And at the same time, everyone's enjoying the food and, and enjoying the uh, ambience. Hey, Carlos, are we going to be able to at some point have you call in from a ride and have all 10 people call in at the same time? You know what? At one point there there is. So right now I actually talked to my rep regarding that and he says right now that feature is only available if you have an iPhone. They haven't developed it for the uh, Android phones yet, So, but it's in the works and it'll record the entire ride if we want. It'll record the conversation of the ride and then you could play it back later on. So basically, the way this thing works, you guys know what a Nextel phone is with the walkie-talkie kind of system. Okay, so I, I remember those. Yeah, so basically, it's you have your earpiece on and we're riding. Instead of dialing a phone call, we're all in one chat room and we're able to communicate. It has a unlimited range. When I actually got the package, when I opened it up, I was so surprised with the packaging and it was just exciting to see it. The system works over voice over IP, so it's on the internet, so it is boundaryless, pretty much. It sounds great. All right, guys, thank you. Thank you for having me. Talk to you guys later. All right, Bye. Carlos, Bye. thanks. Bye, Carlos. Don, I guess you can stay on the phone. This is Scott Froshauer on the phone. Damon, you want to do Scott? Scott is the artist in residence for Streets Are For Everyone which is uh, the nonprofit that I run on street safety. For those who are not familiar with Streets Are For Everyone, it started as an event with Finish the Ride, and it's evolved into a nonprofit that focuses on street safety for all road users, pedestrians, uh, kids, elderly, cyclists. I mean, we're very cyclist-focused, but all road users. And Scott is an amazing artist. Scott, describe what type of artist you are, because I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher this if I, if I describe it. I don't feel like I'm limited to any one particular genre. I kind of work in whatever is the appropriate medium for whatever we're doing. So for safe, for instance, a lot of the work we're doing has to do with uh, graphic design and layout and imagery and creating logos and things like that. But then also we're working on um, sculptures to memorialize places where incidents have happened and memorialize people who've, uh, who've lost their lives to unsafe driving and things of that nature. And Scott, Scott's incredibly modest because as of right now, is, is that art exhibit still going? Uh, so you're probably talking about, so I've got um, uh, three, three of my pieces are currently in the Smithsonian in uh, Washington, D.C. Wow. I've got, I've got, uh, are you, I've are you dozens, alive? Dozens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got tons of pieces in uh, municipalities all over the country, uh, like 20 of them are in parks throughout uh, the city of Glendale. I've got them in the city of Laguna Beach um, and cities all over the country. So I do a lot of, um, a lot of sculptures um, and large-scale pieces. I do uh, smaller pieces and then really big pieces, uh, a lot of pieces at the, uh, the Burning Man Festival. So I do um, really large-scale pieces for Burning Man and uh, Coachella and things of that nature. And the neat thing about them is, while they're philosophically uh, great pieces, they're all centered around the concept of road signs, and and not all of them. I'm sure you've got other t pieces as well, but the ones that I I love, the ones that are often in municipalities, are actually centered around street safety signs or road signs, except conveying messages that are uh, more than just talking about safe streets. So, like the, uh, the a way that I describe um, 
this this particular body of work is that it's um, I recontextualize street signs from what's a traditionally negative language. So usually, if you see a sign on the road, it says something negative, something to not do, like um, no left turn or do not enter or stop, which is all negative language. So uh, I have this concept of well, what would what would be on these signs if instead of telling people what they shouldn't be doing, what would be on them if you were telling people things that they could be doing? And so, you know, mm. I contextualize them into positive affirmations. So um, you might see a sign that says breathe or a sign that says relax or um, uh, a sign uh, that says instead of uh, a stop sign that looks just like a stop sign, it's the red uh, sign, but instead of saying stop, it says start. So it's all of these... Um, Mm-hmm. You know, there's subtle recontextualizations of uh, existing uh, signs, but I built them all to Department of Transportation specifications. So they're the exact cool. same material, the exact same fonts, all the colors, everything of a real street sign. It's just that the message on them is kind of flipped instead of being something negative that's trying to coerce you into doing you know, and force you to do something. It's these kind of inspirational statements of saying, well, maybe you know, maybe you should think about doing this. So it's a great idea. Taking that notion and kind of the great, the great way that it fits in with, um, with what Damien's doing is that, you know, this idea of that, that streets are kind of this dangerous place. And a lot of the language that's trying to manage that danger is, you know, with negative and punitive concepts. And the way that I approach it is through um, inspiration, how to inspire people to, um, have more respect for each other, have more respect for themselves, how to um, be more present. You know, those are kind of the goals that I'm trying to work with. And so it really fits in with this idea of, you know, people driving more safely, for example. You know, that if you're more present in your driving and you're not looking at your phone or things of that nature, then that kind of fits in with, you know, how I'm trying to, how I'm trying to operate. So that's kind of a, there's a big overlap between the two, and that's, that's where we've been working together is creating these messages where are inspiring people to to share the road. Where do we see your work? It's part of your well. Um, yeah, I mean, Scott, you've got you've got them all over. G- give a couple of locations where, besides the front of your house, <laughs> right? So, um, well, Glendale. There there are twenty pieces in parks uh, throughout Glendale. So, uh, Brand Park has two of them. Uh, Central Park, Central Library. Um, uh, I can't even name all the parks. That there are uh, dozens of parks in Glendale. That have them. There's also um, there's a place called Heisler Park, which is right on the water in Laguna Beach, and I just installed five uh, pieces there. Um, I'm standing in Sunland Park in um, uh, Sunland Tahunga, um, the northern part of uh, LA, and uh, there's an event going on here today that's actually got a um, Streets Are for Everyone booth at it that I'm um, that I'm standing next to, and this is a park that I'm working with the city of LA to put. Um, one of my pieces in, but, uh, yeah. And then all over the country, there's, um, like I said, there's three of them in the Renwick gallery of the Smithsonian in Washington, DC, um, uh, evergreen, Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado, all, all over the place. Um, and then you could also just go to my website, um, Scott S C O T T F R O S C H A U E R.com. And there's uh, a Google map that, um, identifies where all of the, all the pieces are currently and things like that. Well, thank you, Scott. That, and so you're working with Streets Are For Everyone. You, yeah, you know, we we kind of, 
we met up as a result of a, a horrible hit and run. Um, many of you are familiar with the Keith Jackson hit and run. And Keith was cycling on uh, Latuna Canyon with his son and his daughter-in-law and was hit from behind by a driver criminal who hit him and then and ran immediately, never stopped, never even paused. And he was in a coma for several weeks. Luckily, he survived, but uh, he has traumatic brain injury and he's he's recovering, but it's it's a long haul. And this is a, an avid, avid cyclist and his whole family, his son was was a pro cyclist at one point in time and uh, they've they've supported cycling, they've supported Finish the Ride and Safe, uh, they've supported the SoCal Cycling Series and... Um, finish the Ride is your ride. Yeah, Finish the Ride is, is my ride. Um, so when Keith, when what happened with Keith and, and his family reached out to Streets Are For Everyone to ask for help. And, and one of the things that Streets Are For Everyone does is it helps support those who end up in the hospital after traffic collisions. It's one of our, our programs that we have is called Safe Support. So we're, we reach out to those who request help in whatever way we can, in, in any resources that we can throughout them. And, and not, we're not saying we have a lot of monetary resources, but there's a lot of different things that one can do. And, and the family asked for help, not only getting media attention to help find the driver who hit uh, Keith, but also specifically, one of the things they requested was, how do we make Latuna Canyon safer? Because they, they ride Latuna Canyon a lot, and it's, it's dangerous. And anyone who knows Latuna Canyon knows that road is a dangerous road to ride on. There's cars that are traveling really fast on that road. I mean, it's it becomes a freeway at times in terms of speeds. And Scott happens to live in Latuna Canyon. And not only does he live in Latuna Canyon, he's the head of the uh, Latuna Canyon um, Community Association, I think it's called. What is it? That's correct. Latuna Canyon Community Association. So he's he and, and several other members actually... Uh, have themselves been campaigning on the subject of safer streets, specifically on Latuna Canyon, for quite a number of years. And when what happened with Keith Jackson and SAFE started a whole petition drive with the help of Scott on and Latuna Canyon residents, where we really, really took this thing and, and started to blow it up very intentionally and blow it up in the faces of various different city members and uh, city council member Monica Rodriguez, stepped on board and said, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're going to take this. We're going we're gonna to make this change on this street. How did you do that? How did you blow it up in the faces of various city council members? We, we went on petition drive, and there was media on the subject that we got. Uh, we did a, uh, a ride in honor of Keith Jackson and got various different media attention on that. We used that to, to roll the petition drive, and uh, within, you know, a week or two was, was thousands of, of people signing on in this petition saying, hey, you know, this street needs to be made safer. Hey, I want to come come back to then what happened after that, but have you been following the South L.A. Justice for Wound thing where they're doing the same thing to mm-hmm. try to get a bike lane that was actually planned for on uh, Manchester Avenue? Are you following that? Are you, like, I, mentoring I that at all? Some, I'm not personally working on that one. In other words, okay. they, they haven't reached out to me to, for help on that particular one. But, yeah, they're doing a very similar pattern of operation. And... And that, that's how you do it. You, you have to make it well known. You have to, you could say, get the, get the politicians on board, get the city on board. You could say you have to shame them. You could you call it all sorts of different ways. But this, the simplicity is you have to make it well known. You have to get them to realize that this is 
not just one person who cares about it, but thousands of people who care about it. And so this was a big victory. I mean, I, I, I heard about this. It, it was a big victory largely because, and I didn't realize this at the time, people have been trying to get Latuna Canyon re-engineered to make it a safer street for nearly 40 years now. Since the 70s, the late 70s, they've been trying to re-engineer Latuna Canyon so that it's safer for the residents of Latuna Canyon. And uh, Scott's been, you know, part of that. He's Scott's been not been doing that for 40 years, but he's he's definitely been part of it more recently. And and he really spearheaded that whole activity in Latuna Canyon. And we and we did it. We did it. We we got LADOT to go. Okay, we're going to re-engineer this. And Scott helped to lead the the town hall meetings to get the feedback from various different people and. And Scott, you know, go, go through that process because I don't, I don't know how, if the listeners would be interested in it, but I think, I think to know what that takes might be valuable for others who might want to get their streets re-engineered. I think one of the reasons why Latuna specifically, why we were able to make that happen, was the Vision Zero program has been running into a lot of resistance from local communities. And from my perspective, it was because the local communities weren't becoming organized in a way that their voice was being heard and that that voice was being melded together with the goals of the larger governmental programs. I feel like they had gone into several places and felt a lot of pushback. And because it's been such a big problem in Latuna for so long, we were able to create a real narrative of what the residents were looking for in changes to the road. So DOT had ideas, and you know these ideas you know, were driven by specific goals. The residents had ideas, and because they were an organized set of ideas that we could then present to DOT, this let them know that if they could match together the goals that Streets Are For Everyone has and the goals that DOT has and the goals that the residents have, if you can match all of those together, then there's no resistance. There's no blowback. There's no political risk. If you can satisfy all of those groups, it's a no-brainer and a big benefit to the politicians as a great photo op. Here they are doing something that makes Damien happy, makes me happy, makes DOT happy, makes everybody happy. And we all want to stand there and support whichever politician, in this case, Monica Rodriguez. We can all support her and her process with this. There's been a lot of fear to engage with some of these projects because the communities give so much pushback. When I look at why this proceeded so quickly and with so much support from within the city, it was because of a combination of, you know, Damien having a clear goal of what he was trying to accomplish, me having a clear goal of what I was trying to accomplish, us finding the alignment with what DOT was trying to accomplish, and we could come up with a narrative together, and that single unified narrative was productive and made everybody happy. That's the critical part. So when talking about how can that be replicated in other communities, a lot of it has to do, to me, with community outreach and making sure that the community understands what their issues are and the community can actually vocalize what their issues are and then they can match those to people who might have a better understanding. The DOT has a really good understanding of what's going on. I think a lot of you know, the people that Damien works with, they have a really good idea of what they're trying to accomplish. The communities don't. They just go, oh, it's terrible. Oh, I hate it. Oh, you got to change something. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, okay. Uh, can we be more specific? And can we, you know, can we uh, extract from that anger and that, you know, frustration some actual real, real points of change that can occur? And when we get that together, then 
then I think that's where you get progress. So that, that's how I saw it. It was, that it was really a coming together of those multiple groups and the ability of those multiple groups to communicate to then make this all happen. It was like the um, community government city equivalent of like a bromance. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) But but the key being that it wasn't just emotional. You could spell it out and you could spell it out in a way that the community members understood it and that they supported it, that everybody involved was like, oh, yeah, this is what we need. And sometimes there wasn't direct overlap. Sometimes it was like, oh, you want this and I want this. It's like, well, right, how can we find a way to make that work for everybody? DOT did a fantastic job, you know, because at a certain point, all these ideas, basically what are unskilled, I'm not a traffic engineer, I don't know how to solve those problems, but, you know, I can say, I think there's a problem at this intersection, and then the traffic engineers listen to that and come up with a plan, and they did a great job, and then they spread that plan out. We had the whole community get to come and see what their plan was, and then we get to give feedback on it. We said, oh, well, what you're doing here is a great idea, but it's going to end up having a problem because of this, this, or this. And they go, oh, we didn't know about that. And they take that into account, and they made some changes. It was a really good dynamic between DOT and the community and all of the groups that were interested in making changes happen. The entire thing was very dynamic. And as we speak, a good percentage of those changes have already been implemented. There's additional ones that are still coming and will be done I was recently told by early to mid-August it should the final steps should be put in place. And then we're going to be doing a whole press conference and we're going to be letting the entire city know, hey, this is how community engagement should work. This is how you know community can get their streets made safer. And this is how the city should actually reach out and work with the community. This is how it should be done right. And this is an example of that. So I can't say enough about Scott because he really did lead that that whole activity on Latuna Canyon. And yes, Safe was involved, and yes, you know we did our work on that there. But Scott really was was a linchpin in all of that. So yeah, uh, sounds like it. Sounds like you really took charge. Have you done anything like this before, Scott? So the sculptures I do is a great example. So when I talk about like putting sculptures in parks in Glendale, for instance, that's a combination of like artistic vision and engineering, but then also city politics. So when I go to a city to say to them, hey, I want to put some signs in your parks, you know, you have to understand the bureaucracy and you have to understand, you know, that it's really critical to meet the right people who have the right authority to make certain things happen. That's politics. If you are used to sitting on your couch and reading something on Facebook and getting angry about it, and then your only response is to write something back on Facebook and saying, oh, this is terrible, and that's the only thing that you even know exists, and you don't know that, oh, there's a group of people that meet that talk about how to make improvements on the road. And if you don't even know that exists, then you feel totally disempowered. And then all of a sudden you walk into one of these meetings and you find out, oh, it's just these like eight people who are basically just like you, but the only difference between them and everybody else is that they're actually getting up on like a Tuesday night and going to some municipal building and talking about how to make the road safer. That level of involvement is incredibly empowering. And that's what happened to me is I just started attending some of these meetings. And I saw, oh, I can actually have a voice. If I pay attention and if I meet the right people, then I can have a voice. And really leading up to that accident when Damien started getting involved with this, I had been just meeting people in the council district who were working on street safety because I wanted to make the street safer in Latuna. And so I just started asking other people who were doing that in other parts of the council district. I was like, so what are you doing to try and make streets safer? 
And they're like, oh, well, we're doing this. It's like, okay, well, I can try that. And then it was really a perfect storm. It was a confluence of moments that came together that I had put together a design for what I thought Latuna should look like. And Damien had the ability to get some of the political will going because of his ability to get the media involved and put pressure on the politicians to make something happen. So they want to then make something happen because Damien's got them thinking, hey, we got to make something happen. And they look around and they go, oh, well, we know Scott, he's been working on this for a while. And I say, yeah, well, here's a, here's a plan that I put together with the community members. I've been talking to community members for years, putting this together. They say, let's do this. Let's implement this plan. And so then they go back to DOT and turn it into something that's real, something that you know engineers work on. It's that empowerment of you do have a voice. Damien's such an amazing example of that. He makes all of these things happen. What's the difference between him and anybody else? There's nothing. He just gets off his butt and goes and talks to people and makes it happen. Anybody can do that. I think a lot of people don't believe that they either have the right to do it or that their voice matters or it's a whole bunch of different things. But the reality is anybody has the ability to become involved and to make these changes and to have their voice heard. It's just you have to believe in that. You have to believe that you know you can make these things happen. Scott, I just got notified that we actually have Along the very same line as to what we've done in Latuna Canyon, uh, we have Barbara Linder on the phone, who's been doing the same thing in Beverly Hills for bike lanes. And Barbara, are you on the line? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Barbara. Hi. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. So have you been listening to, to the conversation that Scott and myself and, and Don, Don, you're still on the line? Yes, sir. Excellent. Um, I, I trust you've been listening to all of this. Yes, I have. And I agree, anyone who cares and feels passionately about any civic issue can get involved and have a voice and get things done. I agree, anyone who cares and feels passionately about any civic issue can get involved and have a voice and get things done. And it's possible to know almost all of the all of the players. So if you take the time to get to know them and they then get to know you and they know um, what your goals really are, it's much easier to get those goals accomplished. And Barbara, yeah. I know who you are, and I've heard about the work you've done. And by the way, kudos. Kudos to what you've accomplished there. And that's, that's an uphill battle. Um, <laughs> but can you, can you tell all of our, all the listeners what you've accomplished and how you've gone about doing that? Well, um, to go back a few years, I have been riding the same bicycle on the streets of Beverly Hills since 1970 when my grandfather bought me a green Raleigh bike. So I've been on the streets for a long time. And about 12 years ago, I became a commissioner in the city of Beverly Hills because I was involved with homeless outreach. And whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. Beverly Hills does not have any homeless people. That couldn't be possible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just had to say that. Yes, we do. <laughs> and interestingly, because Santa Monica Boulevard runs right through our city, 
a lot of people get on and off the bus in and out of Beverly Hills. Mm. And the outreach program that I have worked with for about the past 12 years um, is on Santa Monica Boulevard in the middle of Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. And Santa Monica Boulevard is where they are currently getting ready to stripe a green bicycle lane. And... And it's, this is monumental for Beverly Hills. It's huge. It is massive. The amount of um, individuals and people who have been against such an activity is a lot. For decades. For decades. Yeah. Not just for a few years. So about seven years ago or six years ago, the city announced that they were going to be totally redoing Santa Monica Boulevard. So... Um, the mayor at that time formed a blue ribbon committee made up of different community representatives, and I wasn't actually asked to be on that committee, but I attended some of the meetings because they were public, and I, and I started to hear bicycle advocates coming out and saying, you need to install some bicycle lanes in the city of Beverly Hills. And I was one of them. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. I, well, I met Mike, Mark Elliott that way. Yes, Mark Elliott. Mark a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And he's an inspiration to all of us. So he was he's kind of the, the main agitator, probably. He, he's an <laughs> agitator, but yeah. so are we all. I mean, agitator for good, of course. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, So this process started about five years ago, and um, everyone, well, a majority of the Blue Ribbon Committee and the experts that the Blue Ribbon Committee had hired to tell them what was the best way to reconstruct Santa Monica, they all said there has to be a bike link. Um, And this was, of course, accepted unanimously and graciously, correct? No. Oh. And in fact, I'm not sure why, but the city's um, transportation staff were not in favor of having a bicycle lane installed on Santa Monica Boulevard. And it ended up being left out of the plans for the street. However, last year... The city council member who happened to be mayor at that time, Lily Bossy, announced that she was reopening this issue. So they had some hearings and some outreach, and all of the bicycle advocates came, and all of the people who were against um, having a bicycle lane. But because The makeup of the city council had changed in the meantime because there had been an election. There were a majority of city council members who were in favor of having a bicycle lane installed. So we've gotten it. And now the the Santa Monica Boulevard is almost done, and I noticed that they have drawn a demarcation for the bicycle lane. And I assume they're painting it green soon. Oh, is it going to be green? Wow. Yep. Yep. And we wow. had to fight for that because Amazing. there were people, I'm not going to name names, who didn't want it to be painted separately. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Name names. Name them. It's, it's huge. you got to know these people. Come on. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> um, it's huge because I've always felt that since Beverly Hills is in the middle of this transportation artery, and in order to get from downtown to the beach, you have to go through Beverly Hills no matter what street you're on. I thought it was really important for us to contribute to the well-being of the entire Los Angeles area. And that's why thank I you. it's important. Yeah. yeah thank we, you. Everybody say thank you. Let's do a little Thank you, Barbara. Clap. Aww. Thank you, Barbara. We thank are, you, we are Barbara. applauding you. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. I didn't personally do it. No, but, you know, just just like Scott and me and Don, who's a big agitator in many respects of the word, because when Don walks in the room, you know that he's there because you cannot miss him. But you're fighting for life. I mean, that's that's what you're fighting for. You're fighting for the freedom to to bicycle and to enjoy life and not be hit and killed. Yeah. And not just a bad thing. You know, so so just just like, you know, what Scott and I have been doing and, and what Don has been doing for years, way before I've gotten on the scene. You're doing the same thing. You're you're standing up. You're consistently and persistently demanding that something that's logical, that is approved, that is we're not talking some extreme thing. We're just talking a bike lane. And yeah. I'm sure if yeah. the individual... <laughs> You'd think we were fighting for communism right. or something. <laughs> like, by the no, way, people it's, react it's, to it. It's, it's like, amazing. it's just the bike lane, people. Yeah, that's the first step to communism, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't tell anyone that. <laughs> It's a gateway. Yeah, it's the, it's the gateway drug. <laughs> and now the, the city of Beverly Hills is considering um, complete streets. Oh, my God. You see how it starts? Oh, and boy. does that, for Beverly Hills, does that mean that they hire the, the boring company to bore underneath Beverly Hills and stick all of the cyclists and people underneath them? <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, hey, you know, Damien, Damien, you know, I haven't heard that, that one yet. That, that's so funny that you say that. I, I am not kidding. I was, I was uh, fighting for a road diet out here in Northridge years ago, and there was a neighborhood councilman who said that exact thing. He said, <laughs> we can... We can build tunnels, and the cyclists can go in there. That was <laughs> well, there, there was a city council person who I spoke to in Beverly Hills who said to me, don't ride your bicycle. It's too dangerous. That, that is a classic, <laughs> and, and classic. And I looked at him, and I said to myself, boy, you, you really don't get it, do you? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that so sad? That riding a bicycle is dangerous. Isn't that isn't that a pathetic sort of state of affairs that we have here? That that riding a yeah. bicycle to get somewhere is dangerous. It's like it's like people people in traffic are really pissed off about everybody driving and being in traffic, and then they're really pissed off if you're riding a bicycle. Like, what do you want? What 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 kind of city do you want? Do you want people to only drive? That's not what you want. Let's make it safe for bike riders, too. Yeah, and, you know, I actually want to clarify that point because when the truth is, yeah, there's, there's this idea that riding a bicycle is dangerous. It's not true. It's using the roads are dangerous. 
that's the actual problem. And if you know and if you've been uh, been educated on how to ride responsibly and you follow those rules, the likelihood that you're going to get his much less. I'm not saying it's gone. But the other thing is you have a pretty high chance as a pedestrian that you're going to get hit just crossing the street. That's yeah. I mean, you I have a... You have streets a, is an important program also. I'm, yeah, I'm, and it's, 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 it's very, not just for... It's challenging just to cross the street as a pedestrian. Yeah. Yeah. And it's safe streets are not just for bikes no. and pedestrians. 40,000 people die in cars. You know, safe streets is for everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's for kids, it's for elderly, it's for the skateboarders, it's for the cyclists, it's for the pedestrians, the runners, the you know in Sunland Dahunga area there, it's it's for the people who are riding the horses, you know, and that that yeah, happens periodically. Yeah, I happen to think that calming the car traffic is one of the most important things that could be done for everyone's safety. Is for yes. people somehow to slow down. In fact, yeah. All people are doing, they're just speeding from red light to red light. They're not increasing their their total, you know, they're they're, they're not decreasing their total travel time. They're just speeding up to a red light, then they got to wait, then they speed up to another red light. It's like, just drive a little calmer, like slow down a little. I was thinking about the signs that uh, Scott was talking about. It's like, if we could have some signs that just say, relax, you're going to get there. Scott's got them. He's got that. Right? Yeah, that's exactly the project. Yeah. Well, the yeah. other interesting thing is that it's not it's not just that. I mean, I have people, obviously, in my community who are up in arms about um, some of the changes that are being made because they, they're frustrated that they can't drive 10 miles an hour over the speed limit or 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic when you actually clock. There's about a three-mile stretch that they're complaining about. It's like, if those three miles, if you go 10 miles an hour slower for those three miles, it's adding an additional 30 seconds to your commute to have something that's safe versus something that's unsafe. That's 30 right, seconds right. that it's they're so demanding. Crazy. They demand that they get those 30 seconds back. And it's like, you're, you're increasing your chances of, I mean, the statistics on the increased chance of fatality when you go over 40 miles an hour is crazy. And they're like, no, no, I've got to be able to go 60 on that road. But, you know, Scott, Scott, I'm just, I I have to to step in here, Scott. Somebody has to stand up and say no. Yeah. And force people to go at a safe speed. You know, you know what the, you know what the real, the issue is? Like, I used to work in car marketing. I used to work for Nissan and Infinity Market Motors. And their advertising budget for one year in North America was a hmm. billion dollars. One wow. billion dollars. And every one of their ads says, you need to drive fast, you're driving fast, you're the only person on the road. It's like the most selfish messaging mm-hmm. there is. And it's like, just look at, look at the ads that you see on TV. They're speeding everywhere. It's like... Mm-hmm. You're getting a billion dollars from just that one company, and Nissan was a pretty small company at the time. You know, the collective amount of car marketing getting pumped into Americans' brains every single day that's telling you, you need to drive fast, selfish, you're going to be in comfort, whatever, you know. And you know what's ironic about every single one of those commercials is that it says, this was performed by professional drivers on a closed, closed race course. Don't yeah. at home. 
Yeah, yeah don't drive a little, like little tiny, little tiny thing on the bottom. That's their little. Yeah. Their little. Don't uh, actually drive like this. CYA <laughs> message or whatever. Yeah. For everyone who's listened, if you've got a street or a road that you're concerned about, that it's in your community, whether you're a cyclist or you're a runner, you know, I invite them to, to reach out to Streets Are For Everyone via our website. Barbara, are you working with other areas? Are you open to helping in other areas now that you've accomplished your your life dream in, in uh, Beverly Hills? Sure. I'm, I'm not the, the real expert in terms of of outreach beyond the community, Mark, I would say that Mark Elliott is probably more of an expert, but I'd be very happy to help. Better bike Beverly Hills is Mark Elliott. Yeah. Mark's a dynamo. Yeah. Is there, hey, Barbara, can we do a bike ride with you when the lanes open? Can How yeah, about doing just a bike ride through Beverly Hills with, with Barbara? Bikes with Barbara through Beverly Hills. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think probably, Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, it would be fun, but... I, probably the, the city as a whole is planning to do something like that, but I'm happy to either join in with you in that, or we could do our own bike ride and say, nah, 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 we did it. Yeah. You know, I think Don's all about Beverly Hills crash ride. <laughs> what? <laughs> Beverly Hills crash ride. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Oh, I've ridden through Beverly Hills with... Uh couple thousand of my friends at times. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. So so they can reach out to, uh, how do they reach out to, to Mark Elliott? And then, and Don, you should just do a shout out if, if someone wants to get in contact with you, because we're all experienced in terms of what they can do in their areas. And then we're going to bring this to a close. Yeah. Please feel free to contact me and um, get whatever information you need from me so that you can contact me. And you can go to uh, Mark's website, betterbike.org, if you want to get information about Mark Elliott and the Beverly Hills chapter. I guess they're a chapter of LACBC, aren't they? Yeah. 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 And, and for... Uh, you probably reach me through, through him. He has Good. my information. We okay. And then I've gone uh, hyper-local. You can reach me at Safe Streets Northridge. At gmail.com. Ooh, love that. Safe Street Northridge. <laughs> or, at, or at wolfpackhustle.com, either one. Good. And, and I can be reached through Streets Are For Everyone website, or you can email me directly at damienkevitt at streetsareforeveryone.org. And uh, otherwise, uh, guys, this has been a blast. Uh, Scott, did you uh, jump off already, or are you still on there? No, I'm still here. Uh, you can find more about my stuff, the word on thestreet.com. <laughs> love it. Good. Okay, gentlemen, ladies, thank you for all joining us here, and we're going to wrap this up tonight. And hopefully uh, everyone who's listening uh, got some inspiration to go make their street safer for everyone. Thanks, thank Damien. You. Thanks, Damien. Yeah. All right. Take care. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. Good night. <laughs> you hung in there. I did. I don't know. I have this uh, Janet Jackson headset on, so... This is like the part in the Avengers movie when you wait past the credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Should we uh, get oh, a we photo of Don with the Janet Jackson headphones and then that in there? <laughs> No. <laughs> oh. oh, well. All right. I'm just kidding. Nice idea. Sure, I'll send it in. Yeah. <laughs> Closing credit music? Yeah, I know. We got to have that. I got a piano now. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and you can play it. Yeah. Yeah. One day. Yeah. We got to work good. on that. Good. Anyways, uh, good talking to you guys. Yeah. yeah, awesome. We'll talk later, Don. Okay. Talk We're to you still soon. live, by the way. Oh, right. I got to turn that on.